seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 210 of Color Magic, a magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of stuff that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 210 episodes, which is such a crazy number, still will have my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? It's going great. Rangers are up uh, two games to nothing. So, this hey, might happen. That's that's a thing. They're, they're probably going to go. I have, have a feeling they see, now you've gone full jinx on it. But yeah, <laughs> like, last time they went, they kind of just blew it. Well, that's true. That is absolutely, I cannot argue that. Because they, they went in serious and actually blew a lead, I believe, in two of those games in the series. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, yes, yeah, so that, was, that was a little rough one. So maybe you'll get some redemption this time. And I do need to clarify, I'm actually a, a Chicago Cub fan, but, I mean, I'm in Dallas, so I'm not going to root against the Rangers to make the World Series. Dude, it's, it's funny you say that. Like, it's not really a focus of this episode, but I've always felt that you should, it's in your benefit to support the local teams. Because it's just good for business, right? Like, if the teams are popular, there's more money, more people come in town, they spend more money at local restaurants, they go shopping. I, I do have to say, actually, for me, it's bad for business because when we do shows during, we, we basically can't do shows while the Rangers are in the World Series because nobody cares about murder mysteries while the Rangers are in the World Series. So, technically, well, for us, it's bad. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, it kind of happens here with like the, the Seahawks or whatever. When the Seahawks are playing, Right. The good news is, you know, you can go out to certain places because they're going to be empty. <laughs> but there's also certain things you can't do because, you know, people are going to be busy. But even when I was back home, like in Texas, like I was I was supporting Baylor. Like I didn't go to school there, but I knew it was good for local business. You know, just you want the things to be popular and people go to ball games or whatever, because we even got residual business from people being in town. So, yeah, I tell people that all the time. You might not even be into sports ball. But it can be beneficial, especially depending on your business or your family business or whatever. Yeah, if you benefit in any way from, like you said, service industry, restaurant industries, yeah, hotels, totally. obviously. I mean, we were just a game store, and we'd still get people that like were in town for the ball game, wanted to check stuff out, or they were staying in town for the weekend, were looking for something to do with family because they were already here. You know, so we definitely benefited. And I would tell you, even if you don't think you benefit, there's probably whatever industry you're in, there's probably some way where you where it affects you. Like I, before I moved here, I wouldn't. If I'm doing theater, I wouldn't have thought that the Rangers mattered. But when you're doing theater at Dave and Buster's, yeah, it's kind of important. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, before we get into everything, I want to remind everybody that the show is sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com. Go check our friends out over there. You can save 5% on your order by using code DRAGON at checkout. And they have a whole variety of things, so go check them out. It's not just magic stuff. If you want to get your supplies, you want to check out some other games, maybe some D&D stuff, go over there, pay them some love over at CoolStuffInc.com. And remember to use code DRAGON and save 5%. Also, you can support the show by going to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic and Getting a shout out, just like our friend Wesley Ingers. Thank you so much for supporting us through Patreon. And if you want to get something for yourselves, you can go to colormtg.com slash shop. All right, let's get into the soapbox, because I think we have some things that uh, we're going to... That's a, that, Where'd that come from? I was going to say, you... We, we ain't doing that. Here we go. Well, there you go. 
All right. So you know how I feel about apologies. I feel like you got to do them, but you're going to get wrecked on them, right? People are going to judge them every which way. And I feel like we got another example of that just yesterday. So this dude, as far as I could tell, his name, he goes by censor online, but he was irony. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Don't, don't think that was lost on me, but he plays modern warfare too. And anybody who plays those games, any of the call of duty style games, whatever, we all know the language on there is just absurd from damn near everybody. Like you've heard me rant on the show about it before, but this particular player, he says he let somebody get under his skin and he went off on them, calling them a a gay slur, the F word, if you will. And he gets done with his game and he immediately records an apology to post. And he, and he even admits, he says two reasons, effectively. One, that he knows if he doesn't say anything, then by the time you wake up in the morning, you're going to be getting blasted on social media. Right. So, like, smart enough to know that. But also says, like, I knew as soon as I said it, I felt weird and I shouldn't have done it. And I knew I screwed up. And I just felt I needed to say something at least before I go to sleep or whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool. We're at least at a reasonable start. Just admitting the idiocy, knowing you need to just go ahead and get the apology out there or whatever. And he even says, he goes, I, I know I screwed up. It's nothing I should do. Now, he does say that, like, I don't normally say this in my private life and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, eh, you might, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I, every, I, I never believe people. Like, I swear I don't talk with this. Then how, so you just spontaneously decide to stop talking? And, and I'll admit, I, I get it. You, you might have just been frustrated at the point. You just started talking crazy. Even maybe, still. Maybe. But I'm not like, saying. But you like probably do say it. Like if somebody had told me that Daquan said all these things, I'd be like, I'm sorry. I just, I need all, I need to hear audio. And heck, and even in the time of AI, I need to the verified audio because I've known Daquan for, for at this point, half of my life. And I just would not believe he would have said this. I would like to think I wouldn't. Right. I mean, I'm thinking like, is there a point like somebody could needle me enough that I just go off like maybe but, it, but it's then i have friends and for that matter relatives or if you told me like yeah it checks out <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. so like that part i'm kind of like whatever but i will say like he did just open to say like i know what's wrong i know what hurts people this whole nine yards like kind of went through the whole thing again owned up to it again saying like i know it's for sure a thing i shouldn't have said or done you know whatever and he even says at the end like hey I, if you understand, thanks for hearing me out, whatever. If you don't understand, I understand that too. I get it. Like, cool. And I'm like, yeah. all right, you shouldn't have done it. We're all admitting he's wrong. He's saying he's wrong. That's no definitely. problem there. That's a pretty solid apology. It, it's way better. I think that the last time I can remember something along these lines happening was uh, Nick Merckx, where he basically was tried to, to, you know, play some of those stereotypes and, oh, okay, well, it was basically also talking about gay people and he wasn't, he didn't drop an F-bomb, but he wasn't, his comments weren't flattering and then when he apologized, he still tried to double down, like, I was defending my family and defending my beliefs, like, okay, this is is an I'm sorry you were offended apology. Yeah, (laughs) you you can't do that. You can't do that. That's the worst one to do. (laughs) But he got killed in the comments. Like, and, and, like, the thing is, I get it. There's some people yeah. that are just going to kill you because you said or did what you did, and that they're just going to feel some kind of way. 
right? Part of an apology is knowing that, hey, the person, or in this case, the many people you've offended don't have to accept the apology. Exactly. That comes with the territory. So I'm, I'm not even, I get it. I know how that goes. But the other part is people going like, well, I don't know how I feel about her. Like, I don't know if he's just saying this apology so he doesn't get wrecked or whatever. Well, yeah, a lot of people are saying apologies yeah. so they don't get wrecked. Like, that ain't news. <laughs> I mean, when when talking is your job, and if you're a streamer to some extent, you talk well talking while playing video games in this case is his job. Yeah, he's gonna it, 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 he, part of his job also is responding when he said something you shouldn't say the same way that hey. If the quad or I says something ridiculous, we, we would be on here next week and say, wait, that's not what we wanted to say. For sure. Hell, I, I think on one of the episodes, I don't even think I said anything that bad, but I still held myself accountable for some dumb stuff yeah. I said. So, yeah. I mean, why not? The crazy thing, though, is going through these comments, like, I would say probably every fourth or fifth one is like them just accepting that that's just the way it is in Call of Duty. You know, there's somebody which, saying, which is a sad, it. a sad indictment of the game community that they've created. But it, 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 people know. Yeah, there's somebody saying COD is like 75 percent slurs. Yeah, you know, like that's, that's why I would say that's probably not even really an exaggeration, especially depending on the and sadly, it's because you know of the age group and the, the you know the, the makeup. Oh yeah, but even another one says. Bro's acting like he ain't said that every day. We know how those C- COD lobbies are, right? So yeah, that's the thing. That, like, if anybody's got audio of him, that's going to come out real soon. Yeah, it says, you know, said we don't need to hear about COD 360 lobbies, blah, blah, blah. It's like, everybody knows. Like, and that that's the worst part, right? Even if he's giving an authentic apology, people are still going, yeah, but you play that game. You probably said it before. Like, that, that's how common it is. I also got to say, is there is there a phrase that has ever been uttered where you're trying to sound hard, but in reality sounds softer than the, the phrase that, you know, got him in trouble? Unfollow me on social media, too, you little F and F bomb. Uh, just <laughs> I mean, unfollow me on social. I know in his head that this sounded like something just hard. Oh, he said unfollow him. On, in reality, that sounds like the most... Here, Most 2023. Like, <laughs> there are people that still think that's a threat to a social media personality. Like, I literally have people go, oh, you know what? Then I'm just going to unfollow you or I'm going to unsub from you. I'm like, all right, cool. Go ahead, dog. Like, all right. Like, but that's still a thing that people use. So that it means something to some people. Though that being said, I was just telling my lady, I like, yeah, if, if somebody was saying that to him, but he apparently said that, said to this person, I guess maybe they have, I don't know, maybe they're a streamer. They have a huge social media following. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that that's a thing to some age range, I guess, that's, that that still means something. That, I, that's the most, like, it's like that thread to go away there with a bad Yelp review. <laughs> you know? I, I, I literally saw a thing the other day, though, from, I, you know, not to get too political, but, you know, conspiracy theory, right winger, or whatever, was, like, going off and somebody's like, where'd you learn that? In a book? And I'm thinking, <laughs> like, a book is where you learn things, right? Like yeah, that's where we are. Like, like, dog, like, you're going to get mad because somebody read a book? Yes, so, that's... I mean, so people are kind of all over the place, but that's I just where we at. Worth mentioning because apologies are always hard, right? But it, I think you can watch his as like that felt to me not not a. I don't think any apology is perfect, but 
that's not like a good 80 percenter at least like he, he was most of the way there so like i'm good but you just reminded me of that chris rock being like oh you got a master's degree that mean you my master now yeah exactly <laughs> right but for me i think it was just even going through the comments and saying like as much as we joke about how some of these games and these lobbies or whatever can be full of foul language and bad attitudes or whatever like it's so common that that's like a big chunk of the responses yeah even beyond the people judging his apology or feeling exactly. how they feel about it so many people are going like yeah whatever it's call of duty we already know this is a thing right <laughs> we're not saying it's right but so many people understand yeah like that's just kind of what it is at this point and it, and it sucks because it's not right but when we talk talk on the show about stories of hey this is why they're getting these ai things implemented to try to offset this or ban people this is why because people are like yeah it's not that bad it's common enough that a dude called somebody out the f word and i would say 20 percent of the comments are better just going like yeah whatever that's just how those games are right <laughs> like, that's like come on man I mean, yeah, Call of Duty's making piles and piles of money, but that's still not an image that you hopefully would want your game to have. Yeah, you definitely don't. But yeah, if you want to, I, I think this is a reasonable example of a of a decent apology. Again, shouldn't have done this thing he did in the very beginning. But I think we talk about apologies and whatever. Like this is a, a solid example. But man, the comments really kind of I don't want to say surprise me. But it just kind of reaffirms what we thought, you know, which is which is kind of tough. And like we always say about these apologies now, we're, we're going to, you know, because obviously he's, I guess, going to provided they'll still let him stream. I guess he's going to keep streaming and playing. So we'll watch and then see if he lives up to his apology. Yep, that's exactly it. It's the actions that follow. But all right, man, let's see what you got. Okay, uh... You were just a little baseball early, as we mentioned. Like, I'm a huge baseball fan. Daquan's more of a, hey, you know, we'll <laughs> watch it from time to time. I'll do live baseball. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, former uh, Kim Ng was the uh, general general manager of the Miami, Flor- formerly known as the Florida Marlins, if you have no idea what a Miami Marlin is. They changed a few years ago. Uh, she's announced she is not going to return to the team where she was actually the first fe- first female head of baseball operations in in uh, in baseball, and I think the first uh, Asian female to be be a, a manager of any of the major North American sports. So it was yeah, a huge deal. any of the five major sports. Yeah, it might have been it. So it was a huge deal for her, first of all, to get that job. But she's announced she's stepping down, and at least part of the reason is because. It turns out they were going to hire some other, I guess they're basically not going to hire somebody, but create a whole other position that she would report to. And she's like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm sure she at that point wouldn't feel like the general manager because the general manager is always supposed to report to, you know, a handful of people in the organization. So that just felt and seemed weird. And I'm sure a lot of people were encouraging her to, but no, this is a historic opportunity. You, you got to keep doing it. And credit to her for saying, well, no, not if I'm not even actually the general manager, why would I continue to do something like that? And But we, we've talked about, you know, how there is, well, there, there's pressure in both ways when, you know, when you are that person that has to be the, the, the flag bearer for an entire, you know, an, an entire ethnic group, an entire, you know, also, as a woman, she's being 
the trailblazer in in two important categories. I'm sure there was a great deal of pressure for her to just just stay in there, take the I'm sure gaudy salary, and and, and keep you know be a, a be a figurehead because we need a figurehead. So again, I give her all the credit in the world for not wanting to stay there. And by the way, this isn't the thing that this isn't a, a new thing. Apparently, Derek Jeter, who used to be the CEO, and by the way, baseball legend. African American among several, he he's got like a, a very, he, I believe he's part a black, part Irish, several things. But yeah, he stepped down for what seems like similar reasons. So this is a thing the Miami Marlins are apparently attend. I mean, it looks like they may just be trying to, you know, I guess get fans without doing the work of actually winning baseball games to get fans. I mean, this is this is tough, right? Because in her spot, there is, and like you said, there there's sometimes where you say, you know what. This is a historical moment and it's cool. And I'm assuming her shoes was probably like, Hey, I'm the first Asian female to do whatever, you know, at this right. level, you know, so this is actually pretty cool. You know, I'm obviously she, I assume she was probably in all types of stories and interviews and whatever, but at some point it's like, okay, now I'm just somebody who does the job, right? It's not about all these other features anymore. And sure, you want to keep me around because it's it looks good on paper or whatever. But in the day, if you're not getting the recognition and you've already proven yourself, then like it doesn't matter what her background is. Like I don't yeah. want to leave. Oh, by the way, they went. They had a winning record this season for the first time in years. Got a wild card spot. So by I think anybody's accounting, she did a phenomenal job with the team that addition to doing stuff like this. They are known to be one of the cheapest franchises in baseball. So, I mean, they didn't give her very much money and she still bought the groceries and cooked a phenomenal meal. <laughs> so just, but dude, this is what happens where this is what the whole reason they have the Rooney rule, right? You yeah. would have in football. Well, for those who don't know what that is, basically you have to enter. I believe it's at least 25% of the people you interview have to be non-whites for head coaching jobs or higher in the NFL because they had this issue where your league was like 75% blacks and you had none of them in any higher up or control positions in the NFL or very few. There were one or two right. here or there, but not, not very many. So they were trying to balance that out by having that rule. And this is kind of one of those situations because before that you had coaches that may have had one down year and they're like, okay, well, that's it. We're going to get rid of him, replace him with this other guy. And the other guy hasn't even been a head coach anywhere in, in four or five years, got demoted to some other job. And his previous head coaching jobs were, you know, three losing years before he got fired or whatever. And Last like, well, year, the Colts hired a broadcaster who had never coached at any level above high school to be their head coach. That Wasn't that after they brought in, was it Jeff Saturday or somebody? Yeah, he the coach for like five weeks or whatever that was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Jeff Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was. He was. That's what he was doing when they hired him. Was he was broadcasting at ESPN? I mean, at least I'll say he had played football. So that's a but thing. still. <laughs> As we said, where's the black? Where's the black coach that gets that job? It doesn't happen. Yeah, and and that's tough too because there were several that had the skills and just didn't even. Some of them didn't even get interviews. Poor Eric Bieniemy, who you know, crafted the Kansas City Chiefs offense that for years has been dominating professional football. This man can't get a head coaching job. Wasn't he involved with the the uh, 
Buccaneers as well at some point? He he may have been because he's been around for a while. Yeah, so I don't know. But yeah, that's a dude that probably deserves a head coaching job. He absolutely does. Again, a white coach in the same position would already have had the job and we'd have known whether he was a good or a bad coach by now. He'd have had the, and possibly been fired by the job, moved on to broadcasting. But that whole cycle would have happened had he been white. And everybody knows this, but for some reason, he's, now I think he's offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. And it's one of those situations where. And again, think, they are playing surprisingly well. Right, despite not being loaded with talent, so yeah, there's that. And they and the parents of the players complained because you know he was, I guess, making them work too hard or something. Yeah, but then they go out and win some games. And everybody's like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's something to it. But no, I I get where Ing is coming from here, though. It's like you put in your time, you did the work, you you did everything asked of you, and then some. And then they're telling you, well, yeah, we're not going to promote you. We're just going to hire somebody above you. And it's like, yeah, all right, I'm good. Yeah. So I would have probably left as well. And that's tough. And I, I've i been in some type of positions like that, so I, I get it. I, I don't falter. But let's talk about some other things that we learned this week, because I think there are a couple that uh, might actually surprise people on one of them, but we'll see. What you got for us? Yeah, after uh, much uh, gnashing of teeth, numerous court cases and lawsuits, Microsoft finally owns Activision Blizzard outright. Oh, and uh, just, I guess, breaking, like, since we've been taping the podcast, or at least I heard about when we were taping the podcast, Bobby Kotick, everybody's least favorite CEO, got the boot. Or Well, he's leaving in December and I mean, I'm pretty sure those two things are connected, even though I'm sure he it'll be announced as he just sort of decided to leave, but the timing is quite interesting. Yeah, I, that one doesn't surprise me. I mean, once the buyout happened and you've been a bit of a problem, they don't need you anymore. No. And I'm sure there probably were some wheels that, that, that he needed to grease for the whole merger to go through. And that's fine. That, that's that's business. But glad to see him gone. And I'm also, you know, I think some of the things we learned in court, because obviously the, the argument against them doing this is that they're going to become some kind of unstoppable anomaly. <laughs> monopoly. That's what I was trying to say. They may become an anomaly, too. <laughs> we don't know yet. But if you some of the things that came out in court is, Microsoft isn't unstoppable, hasn't been unstoppable for a long time. I guess part of the arguments were uh, you can't say the people currently losing the con, and I mean, like, pretty much a dead last in the console war will suddenly become unstoppable. No Asian judge couldn't be convinced that was a thing, especially after Microsoft admitted they've technically never won a console war. <laughs> Going all the way back to when did the first Xbox release back like in the 90s sometime? Well, even them buying up other companies doesn't necessarily end perfectly because they had that whole thing with Bungie and Halo and right. that whole mess. So, like, I mean, some of the times it's great, even where they bought Minecraft and turned that into yeah. a whatever $10 billion <laughs> brand yeah. or whatever that thing is. Then they bought, unfortunately, you know, on the, on the negative side, they bought Arcane and pushed them to put out the worst game that's ever been made by Arcane. So they just... It, it was impossible to find enough people to argue that anything Microsoft has done recently, because again, you're going, we talked about buying Minecraft good, but they didn't create it. They bought it. The last thing Microsoft created <laughs> that made, that, that made waves sadly was Halo. And how long has that been? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's still 
a large chunk of the market that is not owned by Microsoft that is still doing well. Yeah, like so the two people ahead of them, Nintendo and Sony. They're doing well, great. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, there's just a lot out there right now. You know, even from small, I mean, technically, I guess it was a smaller studio that made even Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to call, like, you don't want anybody to own, you know, even 20% of the market, whatever you can avoid. No. It. But there's still a lot out there that they don't own right now. So, right. And, and it's not for like a try because apparently at one point many years ago, they did call a meeting with Nintendo for the attempt to purchase Nintendo. For what I understand, they were completely laughed out of the room by Nintendo executives. Well, yeah, like, I, cause think about it. Like what wouldn't, what number do you think it would even take to get them to consider selling Nintendo? Right. Like, I, like, I'm going to look up what Nintendo's net worth is. Because I have no idea as a company what it's even worth. So they're saying, as of October this year, it's estimated to be worth $53 billion. Yeah. Like, what is Microsoft going to bring? Other, other than there's them saying they're going to give you $75 billion or whatever. Because you know, how, like, if that's how much you're worth now, you're going to keep getting money every exactly. year of all these properties, right? So that's if the company's in trouble, you know, this Nintendo ain't in trouble. <laughs> really, yeah. even in their darkest days, it was never in trouble. It just well, that's no. what I'm saying. Like, at, like, what number would you have even said to get them to even think about it? Because I, I don't I mean, it's you have to be starting at 70 plus. Yeah. I would think because just saying, yeah, like, I don't know what the numbers were up. back when back when the deal was offered. But <laughs> why would you? Why yeah, let's sell? say that was five years ago. You still would have yeah. probably had to start at 50 even then. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Why would you sell the Golden Goose or Golden Plumber? <laughs> you know, yeah. Or whatever. I mean, credit for trying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I ain't going to fault you for trying to you, get the bag or whatever, but you, yeah. you don't know if you don't ask. Yeah. But they, I don't want to minimize the, the, the huge the huge pie that they have. I mean, I, we talk Call of Duty that we just spent several minutes talking about. Overwatch is still a valuable franchise. If even Sterling, obviously Blizzard, Diablo, Hearthstone, Warcraft. I'm not saying they didn't just pick up a whole bag of money because they did. But also find it kind of amusing that they were defending themselves in Monopoly suit when they were also at one point trying to go after Google for having a monopoly, I guess, over search engines and the Internet or whatever. So, eh, like you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> I can see if you can find the right judge or jury, you technically can. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, mine isn't quite that serious. It's just more of even th- this points out that even the most elite <laughs> can still have bias against them. But I found this fact to be amusing. And this is something I think was printed a- last year, but I just came across it. But it was that Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently wanted to dub his own ver- his voice for the German versions of Terminator because he obviously speaks German very well. But they said no, because they said his accent was too rural by German and Austrian standards. And they didn't want the big, bad machine, robot, whatever to sound like he was some like uncouth underclass 
colloquial whatever. And I'm like, how? Like, like that is the most weird situation, right? Because we know he's Austrian background. So he's from the area. People know who he is. He speaks the language you're trying to dub it in. He played the character. <laughs> and you're still like, yeah, nah, but we like don't need him sounding just... like that. Like, like what? This seems like you you just <laughs> you can't see the forest for the trees right now. That that's mind blowing. They basically said then, like, nah, we don't want country bumpkins being in our action flicks. <laughs> but <laughs> again, I, I guess their showbiz industry is as crazy as, as ours is. Because have you ever heard the, the story or, or this is one of the stories about the creation of Yellowstone, which is a huge runaway hit for Paramount slash CBS. When the uh, guy was, which one? I think it was, uh, I believe the Taylor Sheridan, I believe the creator. He said when he first, first of all, he just couldn't find anybody interested in a power like land grab type soap opera set in Montana because it was set in Montana. So finally, I think HBO agreed to do it, but he had to get a Robert Redford type. So he, of course, he knew Robert Redford, so he got Robert Redford on the phone. Showed him the script, got Robert Redford to agree to do Yellowstone. Of course, as we know, Robert Redford didn't become the, the Yellowstone star. Taylor Sheridan went back and explained to HBO that they got him. Like, what do you mean you got Robert Redford? I mean, you told me you do this. Exactly. If, you got a, if you got a Robert Redford, t- or if we, I got Robert Redford. They said, no, we said we'd do it. If you got a Robert Redford type. <laughs> Because they really didn't want to do it, and I guess they probably never in a million years figured he'd agree to get Robert Redford to do it. Plus, they also, you know, how ageism, I guess they felt like Robert Redford's too old to be the star of a TV show, which... You know what he said to that studio? Hey, you got to get Robert Redford. Bet. (laughs) Right? And he showed up with them, and they went, no, 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 that's not what we meant. So I guess somebody considered Kevin Costner to be, you know, close enough to Robert Redford, and of course, the show became a huge hit. Yeah, that's it's just weird in in Schwarzenegger's case because he's literally the person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not even like And one of the biggest star it'd be different if Terminator was some, you know, hey, indie franchise. Yeah. Like, like the whole thing that happened with Super Mario Brothers. You could understand why they would use the huge actor instead of the the you might not agree with it. Yeah, yeah. But, but at, least at least understand the rationale, like, no, we want a huge movie star. There is no bigger action movie star in the world <laughs> than Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just so wild. And the fact that, like, he's of that nationality, like, right? he speaks the language, he grew up with it, like, he literally checks all the boxes, and they're like, yeah, but... <laughs> and how many German, you know, huge action stars were there? Heck, how many are there now? If I really struggled, I might be able to come up with one or two. And that's probably all there is. I mean, I don't know. Does Dolph Lundgren count? Where's he from? No, I want to say he's uh, <laughs> not necessarily Russian. <laughs> I know he played yeah, Drago, but something more along. Not, not, actually, apparently he's Swedish. No, not even okay, close to Russian. I knew he wasn't Russian. Like That's what I was kind of wondering. But yeah, I mean it, that's a tough deal. But it, but I kind of and the irony that. is when you think of Russian villains, Ivan Drago is one of the first ones yeah, you true. think of. It's crazy. 
But no, I, I just brought it up because it, it sort of brought up that whole thing of like even Schwarzenegger, who as big as he was at the time, you know, a rising star for sure, being of that country and everything, speaking the language, being the star of the movie you were dubbing, right. they still were like, nah, your accent's too country, bro. <laughs> like that's, that was it. Like that had to just blow his mind. Yeah. It just, you, as you said, prejudices that people have. And now that I think about it, because I guess they're saying his, his accent is too colloquial. I can't think of anything that would scare me more than a hillbilly robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of reasons it might scare me. Right? <laughs> Both of us for the same reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all right, let's talk about some of the news that came up because, man, we have a big one. Yeah, so unless you were literally hiding under a rock, if you had clicked on social media and followed any magic stuff, you probably heard about there's going to be a new booster starting with the, I believe, the uh, Markov Manor, whatever, whenever that release is. I believe that's the early winter release next year, that there's going to be a play booster. Now, there were draft boosters and there were set boosters. Now there's going to be one that's kind of like a, a marriage of the two, sort of. <laughs> It's going to resemble a set booster in the fact that you can get multiple rares and mythics and stuff in there. And there will be fewer commons. And they are... Set boosters and draft boosters had loved each other very much. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I mean, it literally is. And then they're going to put some time into, I guess, putting more of the power into, like, uncommons and things. So your drafts are still have all the playable parts they need or whatever. And honestly, they did a pretty good job explaining this. And I and I again, I've said it before, I think Wizards over-explains, I think Wizards over-communicates, but that's whatever. But they did a pretty good job here, at least saying, like, hey, here are the problems we were trying to address, right? Is that set boosters eclipse draft boosters. And I think that's being kind, because to my knowledge... Yeah, I've heard some horror stories. <laughs> there was never a time where draft boosters were even close to set boosters. Like... The very first set is the only time they were even relatively close because people were still just trying to figure out set boosters and if they were worth it or not. Next set wasn't even a thing. So people that are, again, still out there believing that, oh, draft drives this many sales and whatever, it simply doesn't. Go talk to any store owner that doesn't have play schedules that are mostly draft. Because some stores are draft heavy. And if you go to one of those stores, you probably believe that's the, the make of the world, but it's not. But the other thing is having these multiple boosters causes inventory problems. Absolutely does. Again, retailers everywhere to tell you, you, you have a hard time gauging what you need to order, which one's more, especially in the beginning, are some people going to want to draft more or not? How popular is the set? But then after those first few weeks, your draft boosters don't go anywhere because people aren't, unless they're playing a draft in your store, you're not selling draft boosters. People are coming to buy set boosters. So now they're wasting space or money. But then Wizards is also having to print multiple types of booster boxes, and those are taking up space in warehouses and within distributors. So everybody in the chain is having to figure this whole thing out. I feel like this also has to be a nightmare to try to explain to newer newer players, yep. like why there's that. That's problem number boosters. four. We hadn't we hadn't gotten that one yet, but yep, that's definitely on the list. Causes confusion in the marketplace, which it absolutely does, because somebody new walks in and says, "I want to buy a pack of magic." And you ask them, do you want a set booster or a draft booster? And they're like, I don't know the difference. Great. 
And then you have to explain to them. And now they have this decision on, well, do I want more cards or not? Or do I want to save a dollar on the pack or whatever? Like, so now they're having to make all these decisions. Just and some of them just go and buy Yu-Gi-Oh booster instead at this point. Cause they're, yeah, that's one of the rare occasions when Yu-Gi-Oh might be able to check the box of less confusing. Yeah. And, and even when you're on at the big box stores, right? Because there's, Set boosters and draft boosters on this shelf right next to each other. They just have a different art on them. And people yeah, don't and know. Good what, luck having right? exactly. There's nobody in that retail store that can explain what the difference between those two things is. In yeah, most cases. that's no good. Their other problem, which they listed, was it began the abandonment of draft boosters, which also I agree with. Because a lot of people are going, well, I'd rather just have set boosters. And in some places, which I think they mentioned this later, that a lot of people didn't know and may have, may have overlooked this point, but in some markets, they don't have the ability to process or create, I guess, print multiple boosters at the same time and get them shipped on time or whatever. So they were just deciding to do only set boosters in some markets because it was just easier. And it actually makes sense. If you have printing difficulties, shipping difficulties, and storage difficulties in a lot of places, because a lot of people don't know, Places, and I don't know if it's still like this, but previously I knew of people who tried to store stuff in places, say in like Japan, where they don't even charge you per, say like warehouse or locker or whatever. You get square footage you pay for within a building and you got to get stuff out of the way. So they're not wanting to have multiple sets of boosters or types of boosters sitting around. Right. So that's a problem. And they said it makes some magic boosters less desirable. Also true, because if you look at a set booster and go, well, I can get all these extra rares and mythics and weird arts and whatever, and I can just get regular stuff in a draft booster, then people just don't want a draft booster as much, right? Because all the cool stuff's in the other booster. And I feel this way about everything. I wish they would apply this as well, because when they do prize packs, you have regular prize packs and foil prize packs. So now when somebody does well and gets a regular one, it doesn't feel good because they didn't get the foil one or whatever, right? So... They should apply this across the board. I think that's a very good point to call out. And, you know, then they just said every booster buyer wasn't getting all the cool stuff. That's kind of related to the same point. It's yeah. just something else to fill the document out with. But it's it's a lot of the same stuff. So then they said, making the change, there were issues they wanted to address. The first one was not having enough cards. Because set boosters technically only have 12 playable cards. Because you have stuff that goes to, like, the list and your bonus token card and all that other stuff. Whereas draft boosters have 15 playable cards. So they had to figure out a way to adjust those numbers to make that work for draft. They said the colors weren't necessarily balanced because of the way the rares and different things could appear. You could end up with more, I don't know, let's say blue rares in the draft or mythics, and then more people would have more powerful blue decks and everything else or whatever. So they're they're working on that as well. And this kind of ties in with the ratio of rarities would have to shift because, you know, 10 commons, three uncommons, one rare mythic is kind of how draft boosters always were. But when you have set boosters, it's three to six commons, three to six uncommons, and one to four rares or mythics. So you have to figure out now, how do we make those numbers right to still have a quality draft experience? And then they said in general, they would have to change how drafts or, or how sets were made. Because you have to account for this among like power level and whatever, which makes total sense. And then they went on to just detail like, this is what we're going to put in the common slot. Here's what we're going to put in the uncommon slot, whatever, and detail that out for everybody. So it's a very well thought out document. They Whoever put it together, I think did a good job. 
they explained everything in detail. You know, they tell you when can we expect the boosters. And we always said with the murders at Karlov Manor. So you'll see those with that set. Uh, will they say, will the play boosters make draft any less fun? No, they're not. Like, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. But again, this comes back to this is a change that had to be made because the majority of people don't draft. And it's so hard to get people to understand that because I get it. Some players live in a world where drafting is the funnest thing to do. They live in stores where drafts are the thing to do. But that's just not the majority of the market. I mean, there are players that have been playing for 15, 20 years and have never drafted. Now they've done sealed deck a few times because of pre-releases, but they have never drafted. It's just not a thing. And also, I think this is a good... Now, the other positive, I think, is that player more players will go home with more rares and mythics from booster drafts now, which is a net positive when you're trying to get new people to draft. Because... The issue you have right now is they either rare draft so they get something because they're likely going to get their teeth stomped in if they're new because experienced players are going to be better at draft and sealed than new players. Everybody tries to play it like, oh, this is a level playing field and everybody's that's not true. We all know it's not true. Like you say that some more new people want to play and then you just curb stomp them. But we know it's not true. I've been that new person can confirm. <laughs> exactly. It's just not true. It never has been true. Like you can give them every cheat sheet and and draft order whatever they might do better but they're generally going to struggle because they're they they just don't have the experience yet and to be fair that's part of the reason i'm just i just never became a huge draft person because after that second or third time i got curb stomp i just didn't enjoy it and really never went back to doing it i i totally feel you i've heard that from multiple people and that's one of the reasons which on a whole separate topic why standard is important is people can build a standard deck you can practice it play with it you can watch people play it online, whatever, and then you can play more confidently in your events and you have a yes. real shot, right? That's a thing. You can't really do that with draft. So that's why a lot of people don't do it. So overall, I think this is a net positive. And I will tell you, among the retailers that I know, and I'm not even exaggerating, it is like 95% positive, like overwhelming. And it's rarely is that a thing when anything comes from a major company, especially Wizards. So there's a, it's checking a lot of the right boxes for a lot of people. I will say that. Now, we do have a downside to this. The first being that this will make drafts go up. Now, in a lot of places, you're drafting for 15-ish dollars or so anyway. Some places are $20 drafts. I'd expect draft prices to go up probably in the ballpark of 3 bucks. So maybe if you're at a $15 draft, those might just round up and go to 20 at this point. If you're at 20 probably goes to like $23, $24. It's a little inconvenient, but you are, as a player, going to average more rares and mythics you're walking away with from the drafts. So it kind of balances out for that extra couple of dollars. Now, how much? Don't know. Kind of remains to be seen. We'll have to play a few and, and figure it out. The other is that the individual price per box is now going to be more. And the reason being is that you're going from a 24-count set booster box to a 36-count set booster box. And this, again, is where I point to people and say, the only reason you're going to be paying more for a box of cards is because they're trying to still account for the draft experience. Well, not the only reason. Also allows Wizards to make more money per box selling 36 packs. Yeah. Right, let's there, let's be real that. about that. 
but they can justify it by saying, well, we want people to still be able to have their 24 packs. So eight players can get three packs and then you have your 12 prize packs and you have your draft in a box, right? So whereas you might've been playing, I don't know, 120 ish for, for a box, maybe even 130 for a box set booster box before realistically, you can probably see this price go up another 10 to $20. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing set booster boxes in the like 150, 160, or I guess play boosters. I should correct terminology now going up to 150, 160 in that range. And that's assuming that retailers are able to get the boxes in like the 90 to hundred dollar range. And they're willing to take like $60 or whatever on a box. Depending on where you buy them, that could be as high as like 180, I could imagine. So it's going to be pretty pricey to buy some play boosters, but they are still loading them up with a lot of stuff. So you get extra rares and mythics and whatever. And I will say set booster boxes. I've been buying those forever and I get way more rares and mythics and special cards or whatever than I would ever get just buying a draft booster. So I didn't even mind paying the extra 20 to $30 a lot of the time. But it's a very interesting thing. I, I don't know. Does this now with all that being said, does this bother you or affect you at all, Brian? Oh, I mean, I honestly know because I don't generally buy the entire box. I specifically buy the singles because I play a very limited amount of decks. And as I said, I don't draft. So, yeah, I got to admit, this is not presently it's going to have a huge impact on me. Other than, you know, I guess, uh, honestly, whatever, whenever we talk about it on here, and I, I see a lot of people are unhappy. I hate it when people are unhappy with uh, the way magic is going. So I'm hoping that it. Yeah, hoping but, that everything the retailers are saying is going to turn out like the retailers are saying. But here's the thing, though. The people I see upset are speculatively upset. And what I mean by that is they're being upset at the possibility of drafts not being good. But And again, if, if you press primarily what you play, I get why you'd be upset about that. Sure, but they've also shown and even stated like, hey, we're doing these things and making considerations and designing sets a certain way to account for this. So until we see that in action, you're kind of just trying to make it an absolute that this is going to be bad. Well, I mean, again, the the boosters, because the draft boosters apparently were bad, and that was Wizards' idea, so. Well, it wasn't that the draft boosters is bad. It's just when you had the option of we can have regular boosters or we can have boosters for a dollar more that we just jam them full of stuff, people are going to pay the dollar more and buy the ones that are full of stuff. Or I guess you said not bad, but I guess they just didn't work. For the reasons that have already been stated. Yeah, yeah. But, and that was exactly it. It's just... One so, of those... so after you've done one thing that doesn't work, and I think they did, they also say that this past week that March of the Machine Aftermath didn't work as a product the way they wanted it to. Well, so we that, knew that least... wasn't going to work. Like, we're, they didn't even need to say anything about that. We all assumed they weren't doing that again. Like, that was just... But so, so again, that, when, when you've... So, okay, yeah, two... Well, one idea that didn't work and then one idea that was outright dumb. But, but you could understand why they would have... But I think you're looking around. Draft boosters weren't... Draft boosters were just the regular boosters we had for the last... Up to that point, I guess, 27 years or whatever. We just got set boosters as an additional option, and they called them something different, so they were separated. So, the regular booster we knew worked, but it was... But what if we can make boosters more exciting and people pay a dollar more per booster? And, and then they did it, and people bought the crap out of them. And they're like, well, we don't want to stop selling set boosters because people are willing to pay an extra dollar and they enjoy these way more. But we also know people do enjoy drafts. So how do we find a balance here? 
Because one of the problems with draft boosters, if you weren't a drafter, is you were going to open a lot of commons and uncommons you didn't really need. Right? At the end of the day, you get your 36 rares or mythics, maybe a bonus one if one of them was foil or something. And that's kind of was it. And then you had a bunch of cards you weren't going to use. Whereas set boosters doubled down and eliminated that by giving you fewer commons, sometimes fewer uncommons, but then also the shot of getting the extra rares and mythics or inserts or whatever else they were doing. All for just a dollar more, right? So you get the option of getting more valuable cards and less waste. So yeah, people are definitely going to take that gamble. So it was, it's an interesting spot. I, I think, though, overall, and people have asked my opinion a ton of times already, I think it's positive. The only thing, like I said, that I, I have an issue with is just having a 36-count booster box. That, that's my only real problem. Because most games at this point, I believe when we looked it up off the air, like outside of Pokemon, and they just, I'd probably do 36 because it's just easier to keep doing what you've done forever. But, you know, pretty much all the other major card games, the Yu-Gi-Oh's, Flesh and Blood, Dragon Ball Z, whatever, they're all on 24-count boxes. So I feel like we could have done... Where's, where's Lorcana? Provided you could even find Lorcana. Uh, are they 24? That's a good question. I bet you they are, though. Uh, how many packs are in a Lorcana booster? They, I bet you... Let's see. They are 24. Yeah, no surprise. Okay, so yeah. Well, Ravensburger packed them, so that probably makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, basically everybody's on 24. So we're only doing the 36 to have a higher box price and to justify having them for drafts. But I do think a lot of players, especially with the economy and whatever, a lot of players were still like using trade-in credit. They're buying single boosters. Obviously, you can't even buy booster boxes at, at big box stores. You're just buying individual boosters. So I don't think it's going to affect as much as people think it is. Because if you are mostly buying boosters... So wait, wait, uh, you can't buy a box at a big, no. at a big box? No. You, can, they you won't. can buy individuals. They're all one pack per on a hang tag. On the on the big cardboard packaging to keep make it harder to steal or whatever. Well, but but in theory you could buy thirty six of them, right? Or twenty four yes. if you want twenty. But you're not going to get discounted. Whereas, like, oh, if you buy a box through your local store on TCG Player or whatever, Cool Stuff Inc. You can go to our sponsor. Like, you're going to save some percentage buying them by the box, right? And, and not to, not to upset any of anybody, any of our sponsors or anything. But if your wife's an extreme couponer, you absolutely could figure out a way to get them at a discount. <laughs> there's some sale there'll be a, a black friday thing you know whatever but generally speaking yeah it's, it's more of a hassle than just going to your local store so and i tell people like when you go through and see like people that seem to i would say this the people that seem to understand the business more either from play perspective organized play running retail stores whatever the majority of them are all okay with this. So that should tell you it's a net positive. Like the people who have skin in the game for real, like their livelihoods depend on this. They don't seem to have a problem with it. So that should be your first indicator. When you see a major decision and they're all okay, we're probably okay. You know what I mean? Like, because if anybody should be concerned, it's the people that are literally going to lose their house. If this is a bad decision in some cases. But yeah, let's uh, talk about some other interesting stories that have come up. 
So remember how we kept saying Twitch needs to work on more things to get people more engaged when they're not live? Mm-hmm. For since we've been doing this, we've been talking about that. Yeah, just about. <laughs> well, they're actually trying to do something, and they're going to add stories, I guess, to Twitch and the Twitch app to increase engagement whenever you're offline. Now, it sounds like there's going to be some version, because now, for those you don't know, and I think we mentioned it briefly previously, but you can now take your clips and turn them into short-form videos natively on the Twitch client on their website, which is actually pretty cool. So you don't have to use it. Now, there are some outside services I can do it better, but cool that they at least integrated that. My guess is now they're going to encourage you to build them in their service and then push them live. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, it feels like they're a little late to the party because, like... I'll be very late to the party. I agree. Everyone has, has shorts, stories, reels, whatever you want to call them. They're just everywhere now. Like, even app... Like, hell, CapCut that people were using to make some of their short-form videos to post everywhere else is now letting people just post the, the short-form videos on their own website, right? So, like, everybody's doing it. But I think it's still a net positive, right? Because, again, the biggest problem you have with Twitch is once you're not live, there's no money being made. I mean, I, I say no money, but people are like, well, sometimes people, yeah, yeah, but basically no money. Very rarely. Yeah. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, it's no money. It doesn't compare to you having videos on TikTok, you having stuff on YouTube, like, People are actively looking and watching all these. And if you, again, we've talked about it before, if you go do a live stream on YouTube, that's still going to be shared to people like a video from here till eternity. If the search things line up or whatever, right? You're never going to have that happen on Twitch. Once it's done, hell for some people, the video just goes away after 15 or 30 days or whatever, depending on what your, your level is on, on Twitch. So you don't even get the option of your video staying forever a lot of times, unless you want to go through the process of like downloading it, editing it, uploading it, whatever, and you can store some videos that way. But your actual stream VODs, unless you go through the extra work, just disappear. So yeah, I think this is positive. Now, I'm sure we'll hear more because this weekend is also TwitchCon, which is being held in Vegas this year instead of in California like they've been doing previously. But yeah, this will probably... I would guess be one of the bigger things that they're, I guess, CEOs, keynote speakers, whatever, are going to talk about. But how do you feel about this, dude? Because I, I think it's a net positive. I, do, I, I just feel like... Yeah, I mean, like we said, they're, they're definitely late, but they need to do something in the realm of, you know, shorts. So this is... I'm not I'm not 100% convinced that this is it, but I mean, at least we're walking in the... In, probably very slowly in the correct direction. So yeah. we, we we know the problem is, yeah, we need some way to promote people's content when they're not live. They're aware of that problem. They're working on the problem. Now we know they're actively working on the problem because we got a thing. And hopefully, if this doesn't work, well, hopefully we'll, we'll see some other, it'll at least get some feedback to, okay, is there anything tied to this that worked or anything we learned that could go toward the next idea? You know what I think bothers me about the now that I just thought about it? Like, if you're going to be late to the party, you have to, for lack of a better term, Apple it up, right? Like, because Apple has a lot of features on their phone and on their their uh, Apple Music and whatever. 
that other places already have, but they at least try to do as good of or better version of it when they launch it. Now, sometimes they get there, sometimes they don't, sometimes they overcomplicate it, whatever. But they're at least trying to at least go, hey, when we launch this, it's at least going to try to be, if it's not on the level, it'll be just a step down from the other top stuff in the market in this space. But when we saw Twitch add the ability to the, the short form video maker, right? It wasn't even as good as a lot of the third party things. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not trash, but <laughs> it's like, well, all these third party things that don't even have the support and the money you have have a better version of this. Like you'll people will still use the site and do it on there because of convenience. And definitely if it makes it easier to load to this stories thing they're gonna add. But wouldn't you still want it to be better to encourage more people to do it? Like even for these stories, what I'd love to see is a thing that YouTube integrates is that when somebody's watching one of your videos, if you're live, it'll just light up and it basically gives a little red bar that shows you're live and they can click that and go straight to your live stream. So if they can do that on their stories, we're like, oh, this is funny. I kind of like this person or whatever. And you're like, oh, crap, they're live right now. Let me go check them out. That would be cool. Because now you're taking not just the engagement they're getting from the swiping, but you're turning that into a thing to actually start getting them engaged live, which is the benefit of Twitch. The other question then becomes, which I haven't seen addressed yet, which I'm sure they'll talk about this weekend, is, is it going to be monetized and how? Because I can't imagine Twitch or Amazon wants to roll these out and not have ads on them. So if they are, how are you going to get paid? And we've seen pay structures all over the place. We've seen stuff like TikTok pay structure, which is trash per view. And stuff like YouTube Shorts, which is actually okay per view. So you could get a lead out if you pay better than either of them do and encourage a lot of people to use your stories. I don't know. It could go a lot of ways, but I'm at least interested to see them try. So I'm not going to knock it too much till we see it, uh, I guess, out in the real world and functioning. Yeah, we'll we'll set our uh, timers for two and a half, three weeks out to be knocking it. When it, when yeah, exactly. it, when what it a strong work. possibility that it doesn't work. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, but let's talk about another magic product that's around the corner. So we mentioned that Fallout was going to be a Universes Beyond product because they told us about that a couple months ago. And... I guess by the time people listen to this show, they will have just revealed that either the day or the day before on their Twitch channel. And they're going to, I guess, start talking about the four Fallout decks. Now, I don't know what details they're going to put up yet. They're probably just going to talk about the factions that each one's going to make up or whatever, probably. Probably show you a few pieces of key art, maybe one or two cards. But I found it kind of interesting because we literally just had Doctor Who launch last weekend. And we have Ixalan coming up in three weeks, I think, from the time people are listening to this. And it's like, and now we're talking about Fallout. And it's like, do we need to, though? <laughs> like, we just haven't even let people enjoy their Doctor Who. We haven't seen all the people making their Doctor Who decks or whatever yet, right? And when I looked it up, I was like, well, is this just coming out soon? Like, why are we talking about it right now? It doesn't even come out till March. So we're talking about a thing right now that's almost a half year away. So I, it's it's kind of, it feels a little weird. But then, and this is where I think, Brian, that I hadn't really considered this before. But maybe they're just doing the NFL thing now. 
right? Where we, we want to be at the top of the news cycle all the time, which is not a bad thing. It's worked very well for the NFL, obviously. Yeah. Football is America's true religion at this point. Well, because I, I, we've talked about it before, right? Anybody who follows NFL knows, like, you, you have your season start in late August, early September, and then you're going all the way till February with the Super Bowl, usually, either last week of January up to the second week of February, right? Then you have a week or two off. <laughs> yeah. then, then you start talking about, okay, well, who's going to be our, our most drafted people, whatever. So then we're following kids in college for a, a couple or month and a half or whatever, right? Then we have a draft and then that goes through. Then we're analyzing the draft and who, who did better, who didn't. And then it's, okay, who are, who are these new people likely to replace? And then that's news. And it's like, oh, here's all the releases. Here's all the people that are getting signed going into the season. Here's training camp. Now we're talking about people getting hurt or not or who's going to start. And then, you know, who's your last holdout free agents? Those are stories for like two weeks. And boom, we're back into the season, right? There's not really downtime. So, yeah, that's certainly, I mean, clearly we're at the point in Wizards cycle where there's not very much downtime. I, whether people like it or not, I guess, is, is a different situation. But obviously, I guess if you have a podcast, we have no choice but to like it, right? Maybe. But but I, I think this might be part of, like, it feels more than there really is. Because yeah, because like we said, they're, we're talking about it, but it's not actually coming out until March. So Yeah, so literally, I'm assuming by the time people are listening to this, part of the discussions on social media or Magic Social is going to be, oh, look at these factions, or why'd they decide to go this way instead of that way, or oh, look at this person. They made the key art for this product or whatever. And then we'll probably roll into doing more previews for Ixalan over the next two weeks and then Ixalan will be out. Right. I will say this is going to be an interesting thing because obviously, you know, in Fallout, because it's usually played in, you know, I guess what basically you create your own characters. I'm going to be curious to see. And I'm assuming one of the decks is going to be, you know, a Vault Dweller because the Vault Dweller is the main character of the thing. So... I wonder what kind of art they're going to do for <laughs> a character that really, it could be anybody. Everybody creates their own. So I don't, I, that's going to be curious to see how they do that and what sort of art they do for that. That's a good point. I don't really know. I mean, I guess you could, I don't know. There's probably a few ways and then maybe make a mechanic in the deck that you're adding a lot of equipment or something like that. Yeah. Enchantments to customize or something. I don't know, but I really didn't have that thought until today of like, maybe like it is a lot of products. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say it like maybe it's not that many. I mean, it's a lot, but maybe it's not as many as it feels like. It's more that we're just constantly talking about them. And also, if, if you're going to have products stacked on top of each other, universes are probably good products. Let's be honest. There are people who won't touch Doctor Who because they're not fans of the property. There are also people who hate universes beyond and won't ever touch Doctor Who or Fallout to the fact that so they're going to spend a dime on this because they don't want it. Now they're going to be upset that we're talking about it because they don't want it to exist at all. But in terms of how much money they got to put toward their magic budget, if you hate universes beyond, you aren't, you're not spending a dime on this. It's not something you got to worry about. Other than I guess the fact that you'll hate hearing about it. I mean, that's fair because other than individual cards, like I don't have skin in the game on Fallout. I'll probably still get some and, you know, enjoy them, yeah. but you didn't even want it to be a thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. That wasn't it. I was just curious because comparing sales and, and player base or fan bases, that's all like, I'm okay with anything existing. Like if you can make enough money and there's enough fans for it, go for it. I just found so it interesting when you're lining it up against those other products of like doctor who and, 
and uh, Final Fantasy and whatever. That's that's all I was saying. And again, I'm going to be curious to see the sales because I, while Fallout has been huge for me, I don't know, you know, I, like you said, I'll be curious to see what the numbers are. If 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 Fallout is the worst selling thing ever, I will. No, I don't. I don't think it'll be that. It'd be it'd be hard well, I mean, to be something... worse than March of the Machines. Or well, least, I'm talking about it's about aftermath. <laughs> or it, okay, in terms of secret layers, or if it's the worst oh, one, universes beyond, yeah, or okay. universes beyond. If if it's the yeah, and something's got to be dead last. Yeah, everything can. Man, that oof, oof. it it might be, but I don't think it would be the like Doctor Who is already off the charts with a lot of people yep. as far as the decks go. Like we all know, how did Walking Dead do? Lord of the Rings was bananas. Yeah, how well, did Walking Dead do pretty well? Sales? Uh, yeah, but that was only just like the five cards or whatever. It wasn't okay. It wasn't a full commander deck release or anything. And we know it it might it might be able to hang with Warhammer. Okay, that might be the lowest one so far that they've. And Warhammer was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like it's like you're saying somebody graduated last in doctor school or whatever, right? Like yep. somebody's going to be called doctor that's the bottom of their class. But yeah, that might be the. I've never thought about that until now. God, now I got to. It's true though, right? <laughs> I'm not going to ask my doctor. I tell people that all the time though, because people. It's be like, true. It absolutely is like, true. Oh, I only got you know five thousand views on this video. I'm like, okay, that's still pretty good, you know. But people don't put things in perspective. But when you tell somebody, like, think about the fact you went to a doctor, a dentist, somebody somewhere, some person you did business with, still made good grades, but they were the bottom of their class. Right. Right? They might have graduated with a B, maybe even A minus grade level or whatever, but they were last in their class because they were just a bunch of great people. I forget who it was, but there was a comedian talking about, you know, think about that person in the Olympics in any event that comes in dead last. Yeah, they're still like the the well to get into the final heat to begin with. You already had to beat exactly. other people, yeah. And then you were like tenth or ninth of the people who raced in the final race. So you're but the still, sad thing is, yeah, sad thing is, if I raced against all those people, I would also come in dead last. You came in the same place I would. That's still saying that person is still, at least at that point in time, the ninth or tenth fastest person in the world effectively which is true but that's not how anybody looks at it. well of course right it's always like wait well, if you're not first you're last or you know what i mean like well, that's basically what or, or, or at least you know fourth because yeah, okay yeah. bronze silver sil- silver bronze and gold they make a fairly big deal out that's of true then nobody they get paid for those too yeah there's both you, you can't go around doing speaking tours hey this person came in 10th <laughs> in the five by one hundred meter relays, no one. But yeah, but but to that point, like even if Fallout just equals Warhammer, that's still really good. Like that set sold very well. So, yeah, and Doctor Who's just been bananas right now. Like everybody's selling that very well. So, the licenses they picked up so far have all done well, and there and there are fans for Fallout. It's not like you know nobody's going to be interested. There will definitely be people interested, and I think putting it in March could work. Because you're kind of between sets or whatever. It gives you a chance to, again, get back in the news cycle as it's starting to release. Build up hype again. So it, it might do all right. And I'm assuming something Fallout-related is getting introduced in March. Because that's been the pattern. Like, for example, Doctor Who is, is out now because the Doctor's anniversary yeah. is next month. And, you know, Walking Dead was at their season premiere or series premiere for their final season. Yeah. Uh, so these are always usually helping to promote something. Yeah, I think the only one that wasn't was Lord of the Rings, I think. 
I think. Well, no, because they, they got a they got a TV show, so I'm sure that I, I'll have the, the the data in front of me. But I'll bet it probably lined up with some kind of announcement. No, with the I remember looking. The TV show that season or whatever had already been out for. I think two months or whatever at the time. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was the only one that, and that was probably just because there was nothing else Wizards was doing all summer, so it just made sense to put your big thing there and try to. Plus, it, I mean, it was twenty twentieth anniversary was earlier this year too of, okay. of two towers. That's so fair. that's probably what they were doing. That's fair. But yeah, everything else I can think. I think even Warhammer had just released their I, what is it seventh edition or whatever of the game, whatever the latest edition was. So it all kind of makes sense. So there might be a new Fallout game around that time or who knows maybe they're going to launch some netflix series or whatever yeah but yeah oh wait they are doing an amazon series oh, that might they? be it yeah oh i was just they're doing uh, amazon pitching ideas i i had forgot about it till you mentioned it that so i'll bet that's dropping in or around march if everything lines up properly uh all right so when does the fallout amazon prime series come out 2024 there you go so that yeah that's probably if not the show itself probably at least an announcement yep all right, so that makes sense. There we go. We we solved the mystery. <laughs> but yeah, so this all makes sense, right? If you're going to, and we've said it before, if you're going to work with another brand, you might as well do it in a way that both sides get elevated and get recognition from it. So yeah. But yeah, let's, let's talk about something else interesting here as we roll into the dinner table for real this time. But one of the questions that's come up, because, you know, we've talked about different shows we like, different IPs, whatever, in the past. Are there any black or Afrocentric IPs that we'd want to see in Magic as a Universes Beyond product? And this was a hard one for me to think about, dude. And I'm going to tell you the sad reason. It's because there's not a lot of them. That would make sense. There, there's one I would love them to do, but you know they can't because it's because <laughs> it's a, an extreme sense of humor. I would love a Boondocks deck, but I know they're never doing it. <laughs> like that was one of the first things that crossed my mind. Wow, <laughs> great minds! Like if you could give me a pimp named Slickback, right? I don't even know what that would look like. What card you would use to represent that? But man, that'd be cool. Uncle Ruckus, no red. Here's where it cut, falls yeah, off of the never happening. Would be hard to do. Like you can get some yeah. black cards from Uncle Ruckus, dude. By the he's way, a, did you he's see? A, he's a black card that thinks he's a white card, dude. Did you did you see the uh, the social media post? It was a short video that was out there with Omos found Uncle Ruckus, and Uncle Ruckus was just like bagging on Omos. No, oh, dude, you gotta find that. It was gold. I, Soon as we get off of here, I absolutely and Omos is just like making faces, being funny, like being insulted or whatever by Uncle Ruckus. But dude, he is oh, I won't even ruin the jokes for you, but it was totally worth it. But yeah, the problem is a lot of things I think that we would consider are historically popular with blacks tend to be more edgy, partly because of cultural things, partly because of society, partly because of just the commentary of them. And I don't know if, A, they fit well within the game of magic or fantasy as a whole, or two, if the community, the player populace, whatever, would even be okay with that, right? It might, it, and some might say it would make people uncomfortable, but that's a good thing, you know? But when you're trying to make a special product, you can't really take that risk of having people be too uncomfortable. But in their stuff, like, don't be wrong, if we could get, 
like the Black Panther in here. I mean, obviously that's a Marvel property and it's got a whole other set of problems because they got other games and stuff they're licensed yeah. to. But if you could get like him, Ashuri, uh, uh, what's her name? The chick that's the head of their their guard. Like Akoye. Yeah, Akoye. Like that'd be cool. Like some of those would be cool. And then of course there's multiple Black Panthers because the title, you know, is, is passed down. So. Exactly. So, I mean, that whole thing could be cool. Like I, 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 I got one that actually fits perfectly. Oh, what you got? The Inheritance trilogy, N.K. Jemison. It's a Ooh. obviously very much African American themed fantasy. It'd be perfect. It fits, fits right into it. You're going through different, uh, I guess, realms. Sci- sci- a lot of sci-fi fantasy slash stuff. It that would be perfect, and it's something that actually possibly may happen because I'm. Sure, somebody is going to do a TV series, a movie, or something. It's just a matter of time. Oh, that's a good one. I okay, I can see that, but that's one too. I feel like you would need it to get a little bit more popular. For like, you would need the series or something to come out so it has more of a fan base when you go to publish it, right? So people want it. Is DC? Oh, DC still has their deck building card game though. Yeah. What are you thinking for DC? I was thinking the authority because we've already been told they're getting a TV show or whatever down the road. That'd be a sweet one to do, but they're technically a DC brand. I'll bet something could be worked out, especially if DC Dual Force gives up the ghost, as I fear it's probably going to at some point. Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) I love the game, but it just, I don't hear hardly any hype about it. So, yeah, I I feel like it, it peaked like seven, eight years ago. And it's kind of just been sputtering. Wait, wait, wait you talking about no, no, Dual Force is new. No, You're not Dual Force. I'm talking. I'm talking about the uh, the deck building game they have. Uh, what was that? I think it's just called the DC deck building deck building game. I believe so. That's probably one of the first mistakes. Is it's literally just called the DC deck. Like, now game. I'm like, is that not that I'm making? Now I'm like double checking myself. I mean, they, they they still make product for it. I think if you've already bought every other, it's. I, but I'm sure it's a, because it's a comic book thing. I'm sure there's a bunch of people that collect it and don't even play it. Yeah, it, it, it is the DC deck building game. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because I remember going like, this thing doesn't even have an official name, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, there's not a lot. I think, again, a lot of the problem is I feel like you get black characters or, you know, one or two stories around some black characters, but you don't really have that many what I would say complete brands or licenses or whatever that are based around black stories. And I think that would be the hardest thing is trying to find one that enough people knew that you could turn into a product. That's not just part of something else. And I think right now the most popular, like I said, is probably something like black Panther until, you know, like these other things we've been talking about, get their TV shows, Netflix shows, whatever, or movies or whatever. So there's a reason for people to want to go out and buy it. But until then, I think it's going to be really hard. And this is kind of one of the things we talk about on the show where. And there was, you know, obviously the black lightning show on CW, but obviously we've, we've missed a time period where you would do that. Yeah, that that's definitely a missed opportunity. But yeah, there's just not a lot. And this is kind of the thing we talk about when, when you're saying like, there's just a lack of representation in a lot of fantasy. I mean, even in comics, I mean, it was rare to find a character that wasn't called Black something. Right. You know, I mean, well, we just said that he was Black Lightning, the Black Panther, you know, whatever. Oddly, Black Adam, who isn't black, but (laughs) 
Hell, it, wasn't there the other one? The the what's his name? Uh, wasn't Black Mamba a thing for Aquaman? Wasn't that one? Not Black Mamba, Black, Ma- Black, Black Manta. Manta. Yeah, Black Manta yeah. one, right? So there, it's just like that in so many comics, right? It's just the way it was for so long. So it's really cool when you do get to see a character have that leading role or story focused around them or whatever. And it's one of those things that like. I hadn't really thought about it much until I saw this question, and I'm thinking, oh, man, that's kind of... I don't know if I have a good answer here. What, what now, when you said Black Mama, I'm like, wait, Kobe Bryant said no, I no, no, no. that. You know? <laughs> but yeah, but it, it's a tough one, right? Because just like we said, the, the things we think of that we like, it's like, well, I don't know if you can print these as cards, you know, on a lot of them. I mean, unless you want to take just real people from like TV shows and turn them into a thing, like. But even then, I don't even know what you would cover that enough of the player base would even know or be interested in. Unless you I, throw back to Family Matters or something like I. I was literally thinking about like the Steve Urkel. Yeah, deck. I, I don't know what you would do for that, but I mean, I guess that's a thing. Carl Winslow, local constable. Let's get this happening. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because you think about even the top performing black TV shows and stuff. They're while they're popular and recognized, they're not overall culturally significant enough that I think you'd want to sign any of those licenses. You know, some some characters that probably and again, it's not the it's not over it's not necessarily a black story, but I feel like if we keep in the universes beyond Vang we're in, we'll probably eventually get around to Star Trek. And yeah, Deep Space Nine would be probably, I guess, the most culturally diverse one with, honestly, Black Captain, various, uh, doing Star Wars always, Star Wars, Star Trek always has a, a huge amount of aliens, the prophets. Deep Space Nine goes into a whole lot of different things you don't always necessarily see in sci-fi fan shows where they deal with religion. And deal with a lot of you know yeah. things talking about prejudice, and obviously the Kardashians are an obvious Nazi. You know, the whole Kardashian majority thing is obviously a, a kind of a, a Holocaust story. Essentially. I mean, because here's the thing: what would we say is the most family friendly black show that there's been in the last ten years? Because there, oh, there, there are shows with lead black, like you're talking about, like Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, oh, crap. The thing that 50 Cent produces on, on Fox. the uh, Power. Yeah, Power. Power. Like, those are great shows, but those yeah, are the kind of things you could put on products, right? But maybe Blackish? Is yeah. That that's, I would absolutely slap a Blackish secret layer down. That's what I'm saying. But that's like the closest thing because there's just not a lot of them. You know I mean? And because, you know, it is no fault of, of black people or anybody's culture, it's just sitcoms are almost dead <laughs> in, in, in our entertainment industry. Yeah, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's, it's a it, tough it one. used to be every year each network would introduce a minimum of probably 10 or 12, and now you're lucky. Yeah, now you get two a piece, probably. <laughs> and out of the two that are announced, it's very rare that one lasts. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of properties to and, and maybe that's why they asked the question, because they couldn't think of any. But, yeah, I, I get it. That, that was that was a good question. It was at least one of those ones that got me thinking. And I went, man, I just don't have an immediate answer to this. 
But yeah, Brian Winter, brother, they can find you on the social media machines. All right. I am Brian Psionic on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And man, there is so much stuff coming down the pipe, so you probably want to follow on socials because there's too much to talk about. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us at our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 